morning. I am Luciana Panuzzi. I was the villainess in the Thunderbolt with James Bond. And you are listening to All Your Majesty's Podcast. $267,000. I'll shuttle for one dance with Domino. Can you play any other tune? Something we're making for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. May I cut in? again, Sam. It's a charming tune. Welcome to the 21st episode of Bond Music. Six of the best are ongoing series discussing the Bond movie soundtracks. Well, it wasn't we ran out of soundtracks. We're on spinoff. You guys should all know this. We've been doing this for a while now. So if this is your first episode, though, we are on the spinoff soundtracks now. If you want to listen to all the official soundtracks, just scroll back in your podcast player, and they're all on there. We did each and every one, with the exception of No Time to Die, as it has not released the film yet, but we'll get to that. This is our third spinoff episode, which continues to add confusion to our numbering system. I've decreed I'm not bringing our numbering system up at all during this episode, so that's what we're going to do with that. I'm your host, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, and I'm not going it alone. I have an awesome co-host with me, my best friend in the world. It is Alan J. Porter. Welcome back, Alan. Thank you, Jared. This is fun. This one's going to bring back a lot of memories for me, so I'm looking forward to getting into this one. I like that. I like that. I, I like when people have a personal passion tied to it, much like I did with the Bond Beats and Bass, and we all know how that went. So, <laughs> there's no accounting for taste definitely no accounting for taste it was of its time alan it was, of, it was of its time. okay so here's our format for the show we're going to have a discussion about the album overall and then we alternate alan and i alternate over who has the lead of each show alan has the lead so he will be the first person to pick his favorite three tracks from the album and then i will pick three of my favorite tracks from what he leaves behind and i think alan has a couple of extra tracks for us on this episode he also has the lead so let's get into big bond movie themes from jeff love and his orchestra thank you so as i just mentioned this one actually has a lot of personal meaning for me when jared actually said let's do a show about spin-off albums, I think the first two words out of my mouth were Jeff Love. So, <laughs> to which Jared probably went, who? Um, Verified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this big Bond movie themes, I think was probably the third or fourth vinyl album I bought for myself with my own pocket money when I was a young lad. I know exactly which was my first album. I think this was the third and fourth. I know I bought two Jeff Love albums around this time, and I'm not sure if it was the war themes. And then the Bond one, or the Bond one, and then the war movie themes. But I remember having them both and playing them incessantly. So I think I picked it up at somewhere like either Woolworths or WH Smith, the newsagent's chain in the UK. 
guess I'll talk a bit about it, but the label that this was actually released on, part of their business model was not to sell it, sell through record stores, but to sell through convenience stores at a budget price. Like you say, it was either WH Smith or Woolworths, two stores I frequented on a regular basis. So probably picked it up at one of those. So we usually start this off with, you know, where did you discover this? And I'm guessing, Jared, that, uh, like I said, you never heard of this until I said the words Jeff Love. I picked it up at Harrods in 1970. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No. Amazingly enough, you're correct, Alan. I had not heard of this until you told me. But I think that's kind of amazing because I'm, I'm a sucker for like the spinoff Bond. I have a pretty big collection of them. Hint, hint, the show could go on for a while. <laughs> And I hadn't didn't have this one, but in our discussions, I figured out why, and I'll let you get to that. And if you don't, I'll remind you at the end. I bet it's in your notes somewhere about why I didn't have it on CD. Okay. <laughs> Jeff Love altogether was new to me. And now I've discovered this whole world of Jeff Love and his band have covered a lot of things. And oh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Really, this album, one of the reasons it has so much meaning for me, it was my introduction really to the concept of Bond music being a thing, you know, bigger than just whatever was the latest movie film at the movie theater, that, you know, there was such a thing as Bond music to think about and all these themes and that somebody would put together a collection of the themes. So really this was my introduction to Bond music. And for many years, it was my only, pardon the pun, record of Bond music outside of the movies. So it got played a lot. I think I probably wore it out. And I think I probably over the years been through a couple of copies of the vinyl. So as I just mentioned, this was released in 1975 on the MFP label, which I just mentioned was really a, a budget label. MFP stood for Music for Pleasure, um, and this was designed around doing budget-priced albums of popular music, but it was actually owned by EMI. So they had access to the EMI back catalogue, which meant they actually also put out budget version albums with music by people like the Beach Boys, um, Pink Floyd, Jimi Hendrix, the Animals, and the Beatles. Um, in fact, I remember... My first Pink Floyd album was MFP's version of Pink Floyd's Relics, I think, which I bought on cassette. I remember that. So during the 70s, one of uh, MFP's mainstay artists was the aforementioned Jeff Love. He came from a showbiz family, and he was a trombone player as a teenager, turned professional as a teenager around the age of 17, and ended up playing with a well-known jazz band. And this was just prior to World War II. During World War II, he joined up and served in the King's Royal Rifle Corps as a bandsman. And basically, it sounds like from what I've read and the research I've done, he spent the whole war basically bugging people who were in the band, asking them how they arranged the music for their individual instruments. So he sort of came out of his time in the service, having learned about how to actually arrange and orchestrate music. Now, having said that, he went straight back into playing trombone in the jazz band, but started doing some arranging on the side, and that sort of took off. And by the mid-1950s, he was actually freelancing as an arranger for several major labels, including EMI. At the time, he actually also started a side gig with his own orchestra under the assumed name of Manuel and his Music of the Mountains, uh, wanting to keep his music and his arranging stuff separate. Unfortunately, they actually had a hit, and people figured out that Manuel was actually Jeff Love. So it then became Jeff Love and the Music of the Mountains and eventually the Jeff Love Orchestra. Fast forwarding a bit, in 1959, he and his orchestra recorded a, an album with an up-and-coming British singer, it would be her first album on the Columbia label, which was also owned by EMI. And the album was called The Fabulous Shirley Bassey, which I think is a perfect title for an album by Shirley Bassey, don't you? I mean, you can't beat that as a title. So. No, no. I, I think she'd do some other yeah. fun stuff 
Yeah, I, yeah. I think we might have mentioned her once or twice over the uh, <laughs> over the previous episode. So I thought it might be actually fun to listen to one of the tracks from the fabulous Shirley Bassey with the Jeff Love Orchestra providing the background. And I actually think this track is, you know, this is several years before she started doing any of the Bond stuff with John Barry. But I actually think this is a fairly Bondian track. I could see it fitting within a Bond environment. So the track's called The Man That Got Away by the fabulous Shirley Bassey from the fabulous Shirley Bassey album. Um, I'm not sure how many more times I can actually say the fabulous Shirley Bassey, but uh, let's <laughs> you know give what it a about Shirley Bassey. I think she's fabulous. fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> let's give it a listen, Jared. And then we oh. can decide afterwards whether it is fabulous or not. Fair enough. The stars have lost their glitter The winds grow colder And suddenly you're older And all because of the man that got And undone you That great beginning Has seen the final inning Don't know what happened It's all a crazy game No more that all-time thrill For you've been through the mill And never a new love Good riddance, goodbye Every trick of his you're on to But fools will be fools And where's he gone to? The road gets rougher It's lonelier With hope you burn up Tomorrow he may turn up There's just no let up The live long night and day Got away. Good riddance, goodbye. Every trick of his, your arm too. But fools will be fools, and where's he gone to? The road gets It's lonelier and tougher With hope you burn up Tomorrow he may turn up There's just no let up Live long night 
So what do you think, Jared? Was that fabulous or what? I think that no kidding, as we record this live, I have found said album on CD for $4 on eBay, and I'm clicking purchase <laughs> now. Okay. And it's actually also available all on YouTube, which is where I found it. So. Uh, let me stop the order and pirate it. <laughs> no, I'll, I'm going to totally buy that CD, if nothing else, to lord it over Delvin the Dark Web Williams, because he's a big Shirley Bassey fan. He got turned on to it through the Bond universe. And man, let's talk about this song by itself. It's fantastic. It's fabulous, if you will. <laughs> but no, it's great. I mean, it's so jazzy. And of course, with those bold vocals of hers, man, that is a cool track. And you know what? I, just listening to it now was the first time it really struck me that that phrase is in there, the writing's on the wall. It's in the lyric. Maybe we could replace the... <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I can think of a, a movie where that might work. So, um, I think it's got a very, very proto-Bondian feel to it. Um, it does. It really does. I think it's great. Yeah. Okay. As well as working with uh, Shirley Bassey in 64, Jeff Love backed the British pop duo Peter and Gordon on their first two hit singles which were written by their sister's boyfriend and future Bond theme writer, one Mr. James Paul McCartney, who was dating their sister, Jane Asher, at the time. And I believe also actually living in the Asher household at the time. So again, there's another Jeff Love, Bond music connection there. So mid-60s, he was doing a lot of pop stuff. And then towards the late 60s, he was asked to help out with the growing MFP label for EMI. I assume he sort of took it because it was a good, steady, regular gig for him and his orchestra. And they specialized pretty much over the next 10 years in specializing in covers of film and TV themes. And these were collected on albums such as Big Western Movie Themes in 1969, the aforementioned Big War Movie Themes in 71, Big Suspense Movie Themes in 72, Your Top TV Themes in 1972, which I went and looked at and actually could only remember about six of the dozen TV themes on there, so they weren't that top. Terror Movie Themes and many more. But of course, the main one is the Big Bond movie themes, which came out in 1975. So the Big Bond movie themes album has 12 tracks, six on each side, for those of us who remember when things had actually an A and a B side on vinyl. And it covered all the movies up to The Man with the Golden Gun, which was obviously the latest one at that time. Plus a couple of surprise tracks we'll talk about as we get through. It is now considered the most collectible of Jeff Love's MFP album output, but not necessarily for the music. Jared was sort of hinting at this a little earlier. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so one of the reasons that he may not have it in his collection. Mm -hmm. So when they released the Big Bond Movie Themes album, it featured a nice big painted illustration of Roger Moore front and center on the album. Um, it's a great looking cover. Unfortunately, it appears that MFP didn't actually have the right to use Roger Moore's likeness. So the album was reissued with the image of Bond made to look like he had actually turned his back to us and was looking the other way. But if you look closely, it looks like somebody basically took black paint or a black marker pen and went over Roger's face, his shirt and his cuffs. So it now looks like Bond, who was right-handed when Roger's looking at you, is left-handed when he's looking away from you because they didn't actually flip the image. They just blacked it out. And I'm gonna... They didn't have Photoshop back then. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have Photoshop. And I'm actually just going to divert slightly. I also have the Jeff Love Big Space themes on it. I think they hit the same problem because the Enterprise that is not the Enterprise on there basically is the Enterprise with two additional nacelles added to it, and basically somebody's painted a uh, triangular nose on the front of the saucer section. <laughs> <laughs> so it may be due to this rights issue, and this is just me thinking about it and my personal speculation, but I think it's due to this is rights issue that the Big Bond Themes album, it is the only one of Jeff Love's MFP recordings that was not reissued on CD. 
Therein lies my problem. <laughs> Therein lies your problem. But it was reissued on cassette, and I know how much you love your cassettes. I do. I've been on the lookout. <laughs> I'm going to check eBay right now. Keep going. <laughs> so uh, the cassette actually has the backwards bond with the blacked out backwards bond cover art on it. I think I've only ever seen a couple of images of that. I don't have a copy of that. I have it on vinyl with the original artwork. But strangely enough, they used the original illustration of Roger once again a couple of years later in 1977 on a best of big movie themes album so i'm not quite sure what was happening with that like i say i think that the lack of cd thing is just my personal speculation but it seems reasonable as to that's why it didn't happen anyway after the mfp stuff jeff love went on to compose several british tv show themes and the occasional original instrumental piece too one of the fun things i found out researching this which i did not know as a fun side note jeff love holds the dubious distinction of having the shortest lived number one record in uk chart history at the time, the British Market Research Bureau, who are the people who actually compile the charts in the UK, sort of the equivalent of like Billboard magazine in the, in the US charts, official BBC radio charts, and BBC TV charts, they used a punch card computer system. And basically, there was some sort of error one week. So it was announced on the Tuesday lunchtime regular chart rundown show that Jeff Love and his orchestra's Rodrigo's guitar concerto was actually number one. It turned out it wasn't. And by the evening drive time show, like four hours later, it had been demoted to number four. December 1963 by the Four Seasons had been uh, proclaimed to be the number one. So Jeff Love was number one for four hours. It's longer than most of us get. <laughs> Which is less than that, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Rodrigo's guitar concerto did actually go back up as far as number three the following week, but it never made it back to number one. But as a compensation for all the Jeff Love fans out there, we're going to actually play it as the outro music at the end of this episode. So if you want to hang out around, at the end, you'll probably hear a little bit of the short-lived number one record. Basically, by the 80s, Jeff Love had moved on and had uh, set up a charity uh, called the Young Persons Concert Foundation and spent his time traveling to schools around the UK promoting music, which is really cool. And he passed away in 1991 at the age of 73, having sold in excess of 2.5 million records. And I'm pretty sure most of those were the MFP theme-type albums. So Jeff Love and his orchestra was a huge part of my growing up. I have, you know, the Bond ones, I have the Space ones, I have the War Movie ones, and I've probably owned several of the other ones over the years as well. So a real trip down uh, memory lane for me. So having listened to the Jeff Love Orchestra album as a whole, what, what do you think of it, Jared, as a introduction to the Bond music for, you know, somebody who's 15 years old, picks it up from the, the record store and runs home and puts it on, never having thought about Bond music before? First of all, quick update on my eBay research. The cassette is a lot more available in Europe. Uh, I see a lot of sales of that cassette in Europe and hardly any in the U.S. And when it does sell in Europe, with shipping and everything, it's a, it goes for about $25. So it's yeah. it's, it's collectible it's yeah. to this day. Yeah. And so it's going to be hard for me to find it, though, because uh, <laughs> I don't live in Europe. But anyway, <laughs> back to the album itself. I think it's fantastic. I think it's, a, you know, I already told you I'm a sucker for all the spinoffs and the, you know, sort of, B-team versions. I have several, not just of the James Bond, but several of the, like you were talking about the sci-fi ones that are done by the Starlight Orchestra and stuff (laughs) like that. I just love that stuff because you get to kind of hear a new spin on it. And sometimes it's funny to listen to the budget, air quotes, budget spin. But this is a budget album with my air quotes again, that sounds bold and well-produced. And and while it's not the official tracks, it's still fun. It's well-arranged. You can tell there's a lot of love and interest in it. It's high energy. And yeah, if you're 15 years old and you spend a few P 
or whatever it is you spent on it. How much was it? Do you know how much it was? No, I don't. That's actually a really good question. I have to dig back. I was going to say probably a couple of shillings, but I think at that point we'd given up shillings and gone back to decimal. But yeah, so I don't know. Okay. Well, probably, I mean, yeah, it's pro- pocket money, money probably, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think at that level, like you painted the picture of being 15, pocket money, you bring it home. This is a gateway to James Bond music. I think it's fabulous. Just like Shirley Bassey. <laughs> Nice one. You managed to sneak that one in there. That one wasn't in the script, folks. That was good. (laughs) Sometimes they just work out. (laughs) All right. So let's move on to my top three picks. I don't have an opening gag now. I think we've done too many fabulous Shirley Bassey gags to do any more. So I'm going to start with track one, side A. Because if you're going to start an album of James Bond tracks, what better to start with than a new interpretation of the James Bond theme? And I will say one of the things I really like about this interpretation is I don't know why he did it, but that little drum roll that they snuck in at the end always makes me smile just before they get to the final chord. I think it's just a nice little touch. So let's hear to uh, Jeff Love and his orchestra, the James Bond theme. So, Jared, does that, that one go in your collection of alternate James Bond themes? Sounded vaguely familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. It, it, like, again, it's high energy. You know, sometimes you can tell, and we probably will on this show at some point, <laughs> when the spinoff CDs are kind of a cash grab and when they kind of have a bit of heart and energy to them. Mm-hmm. And I think this one has the heart and energy like I talked about before. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. Cool. All right. So... For my second and third pick, I actually didn't necessarily go for my favorites best of. I went for a couple of tracks that have got, again, a little bit of story behind them. As I mentioned earlier, the album was all the themes up to The Man with the Golden Gun, plus a couple of extras. And these are the two extras. 
The first was uh, Miss, the Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which I think was track five on the first side. This was, a, again, a bit of a revelation for me because I'd heard it in Thunderball, source music and, you know, famously in the club scene with uh, Fiona Volpe and stuff like that and that you know the whole drum stuff and i thought it was it was cool and it's played a few times in the movie so i was sort of aware of it but i wasn't aware that it was an unused theme i had no concept of the idea that there was actually alternate bond themes out there that you know either never got used or sometimes got used in different ways in the movie or got woven into the movie so this was really my introduction to that that whole idea of additional bond music beyond just the regular theme songs and I like the way it's played here. I think it's played in a much more bombastic, big orchestral sound than it is in the movie. And to me, it sounds like what it was, <laughs> a James Bond theme I hadn't heard before. Let's give it a, a listen. Mr. Kiss Kiss, bang, bang. So you're bopping away there, Jared. I guess you were enjoying that one. I was. I really was. It has a Henry Mancini-ish feel. Oh, thank you. I was trying to figure out what it reminded me of. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it does, which is a total compliment for me. Love Henry Mancini. And yeah, it has that vibe to it. And I love, there's sort of like extra horn blares and pops in certain places that aren't in the original track. It, it's super peppy and a lot of fun. Definitely. I, I think that version of it would really work as a, theme for the movie certainly yeah okay so talking of surprise unexpected tracks my 
Third pick was track six on side A. Um, so we talked about young 15-year-old me bringing this album home from, you know, Woolworths or Smith or wherever it was. Uh, you know, and obviously one of the first things you do before you actually put it on the turntable, and that's the round thing, by the way, folks, that the record spins on, <laughs> was actually look at the track listing. They're in the track listing with the words Casino Royale, which completely confused me because there was no Bond movie called Casino Royale. As far as I knew, that was just the name of the first novel. Um, and I was like, so did these guys like write a tune to go with the novel? That's pretty cool. And I played it and I like, wow, I really like this track. I need to find out a bit more about it. Of course, it is the theme from Casino Royale 67. So this album and this track in particular really is what's responsible for my slight obsession with Casino Royale 1967. Because I really enjoyed this track. And I thought that's got to be a really fun movie to go with this track. It just sparked my curiosity about the movie. Plus, being the, the guy who loves his bass lines, I think this version has a cracking bass line to open it before it actually gets into the more familiar brass section that you're used to for this theme tune. So let's take a listen to Jeff Love's version of Casino Royale 67. I saw you smile. <laughs> I've always liked the music. <laughs> Again, peppy, high energy, 
to an already pretty peppy high energy song as it was playing. I was trying to remember back. Is that Burt Bacharach who did that? Yeah, original yeah. arrangement. Okay. Well, no, it was Burt Bacharach, Sandra. That was Herb Alpert and Tijuana Brass. Herb Alpert, that's what it was. There yeah. you go. And it, I think it's very respectful. And I always like it when a remake or a spinoff sort of adds to or, or redefines or takes chances and. And I thought it was that perfect balance of sticking with what makes the Herb Albert version work with just a, just a little extra crank up of sort of spicy fun. Yeah, very much so. So like I say, that hooked me and sparked my curiosity about that movie. So. That is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to like it. That's right. I'm it, glad it's, it's you. It's, okay. it's my, my purpose in life. <laughs> and on that controversial note, I hand the mic over to Joe so he can... Do his three picks from uh, the Big Bond movie themes album. I'm going to kick things off. I'm going to flip the record over because all your tracks were from side A. I'm going to take it off the turntable, flip it over, blow the dust off, <laughs> back on. We're going to do side B. We're going to do track two from side B, which is on Her Majesty's Secret Service. A brilliant John Barry song. I know you love it. I know you do. And I love it as well. And I totally copy and pasted what Alan said on his first pick. He said, because you have to start with a new interpretation of the Bond theme, which is why he picked James Bond theme for number one. I copy and pasted. And I said, because you have to start with a new interpretation of the Honor Majesty Secret Service theme. Because uh, that's one of my very, very favorite pieces of Bond music. So I immediately gravitated towards it and really enjoyed it. Now, let's see if you guys enjoy it. Thank you. 
Let's say you, Alan. It wasn't in my three picks, but this is my favorite track on this album. Anybody who's listened to me on various podcasts knows this is my theme tune. I adore this. There are a couple of other cues I really love too, but yeah, this is way up there. And it's probably the track I played the most. I was conflicted as to what I should make my first pick, whether it should be the Bond theme or the OHMS theme. And I was hoping that you would pick it because if neither of us picked it, I would have been mortified. (laughs) So yeah, for me, it's great. And I think it's a great interpretation of it. Again, it's probably the one that I probably know this version better than the John Barry version because this is the one I grew up with playing over and over and over again. I actually didn't get the John Barry vinyl album of the soundtrack until relatively recently, just several years ago. So this is my version of the OHMS theme that I grew up with. So, yeah. Interesting. One thing I noticed about it in its arrangement, which, as we learned, was Jeff's specialty. While it didn't have the deepest of the like the Barry ones goes deeper on that. It has a real cool violin backup where in the background, it's real quick violin strings that I don't pick up in the Barry version, which are really fun. That's just, that's how. No, that's a good observation. (laughs) If that made sense to anybody, go back and listen to it. Maybe you'll hear it. All right. (laughs) Let's get on track two. Uh, For track two, uh, hang on, pick the record up, flip it back over, go back to side A. Okay, we're back to side A. In fact, Five of our six picks are from side A. So oh, I was going to say side B is not getting a lot of love other than Majesties, is it? <laughs> I guess not. I mean, they're all good. I enjoyed each and every one of them. But I'm going to go back to side A for another one of Alan's favorite tracks, which is Thunderball. Although this one has a, more of a laid back piano work in it that makes it feel a little more relaxed and mellow and might not be what you think about when you think about Thunderball of relaxed and mellow because it's a pretty bombastic song. But take a listen and see if you hear what I hear.
All right, Alan. So it's very different. It's relaxed. It's mellow. Before you come, I want to ask a question. Okay. I believe you told me that you have sort of an evening with 007. Yeah. Chill down. I feel like that's a good track for that. What do you think about that? Yeah, it, it was actually, that's just what I was thinking. This is sort of a good restaurant or a nightclub and, you know, Raymond Benson sitting in the corner on the piano <laughs> playing away. Just a nice, relaxing, mellow. It's interesting that they didn't go the route of trying to match the power and the energy of the Tom Jones theme song, which, yeah, is my favorite theme song. If, you know, Majesties is my favorite theme, along with Byron's 007. Oh, yeah. Thunderball is my favorite theme song. And it's interesting that they didn't go for that. They did go for this more, I think it's one of the cues in the movie. I'd have to, I only rewatched the movie a couple of nights ago, but it sounds like one of the more background cues from the movie. It's really great. Yeah, I can see it as a, like I said, an evening nightclub type or, you know, sitting at home with a, you know, a martini and late in the evening type track. Yeah, very nice and relaxing. I think it's a great, great interpretation of it. Now, I dig it too. Again, I'm very rewarding of a totally different sound sometimes, and it worked here. It's just, I feel like it did. And speaking of tracks, because that's what we do here, I'm about to pick my third one. And we're going to keep it on side A. We're going to go to track two. It is from Russia with Love. I really like the peppiness and the violin work in this. I think just a hallmark of Jeff Love as I listen to these tracks is he's really good at adding peppiness and energy. I've probably said it a couple of times tonight. And let's listen to him do it on From Russia with Love.
All right, Alan, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Again, takes actually is a nice laid back theme in the movie and just gives it just a little bit more energy. Yeah, definitely hear like little extra horns in the back, adding some peppiness to it here and there. Just, yeah, really cool, really fun. Well, three good choices there, Jared. Thank you, sir. So, Jared sort of hinted earlier, um, we actually do have a bonus track. I'm going back to uh, the uh, the Paul McCartney connection. As we said, uh, Jeff Love actually did record a song called A World Without Love, which was a number one hit in both the UK and the US, uh, written by John Lennon and Paul McCartney and produced by George Martin. and was a Northern Songs Beatles-owned record. So we thought it'd give that a little bit of a spin as it, uh, one, is a nice song. Two, it's got that Paul McCartney, George Martin, James Bond connection, and Jeff Levitt and his orchestra provide the backing, which I did not know. I'd grown up loving this song, and I had no idea there was a Jeff Love connection until we did the research for this show. So thought uh, we'd give that a quick spin. Please lock me away And don't allow the day Here inside where I hide With my loneliness I don't care what they say I won't stay in a world without love Birds sing out of tune And rain clouds hide the moon I'm okay, here I'll stay With my loneliness I don't care what they say I won't stay in a world without love So I wait and in a while I will see my true love smile She may come, I know not when When she does, I'll lose So baby, until then Lock me away And don't allow the day Here inside Where I hide With my loneliness I don't care what they say I won't stay in a world without love It's a shame you didn't have video, folks, because Jared was miming along to that. I was literally, <laughs> if my mic was hot, you'd heard me singing along. <laughs> what can I say? I've uh, When I was growing up in high school, I was a big fan of listening to 
50s, 60s, and 70s music. And I love it. I love, and I had no idea about the Jeff Love connection either. Pretty cool. Did you know it was a Lennon and McCartney song? You know, I didn't know that either, but that's one of those things where it's just, when you hear it, you're like, duh, it totally sounds like a <laughs> Like, that sounds like a Beatles song. It sounds like a Beatles song. Yeah. So yeah. it definitely has that vibe. But no, I just knew it was Peter and Gordon and yeah, the things you learn on Six of the Best. Yeah. See, we're an educational show. All right. So as we've been doing for the last few, we're now going to rate Jeff Love's Big Bond Themes album based on a rating of one to seven as to how much we think this should be in the Discerning Bond Fans Audio Library. So uh, as it's my album, Jared gets to rate it first. All right. On CD, it gets a zero because it's not big. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. So through that lens of if you're a Bond music collector and you've got all your soundtracks, those are clearly all sevens. Every soundtrack's a seven. And then do you need Jeff Love in there? I'm going to say, I think you do. I wouldn't say it's a seven. I wouldn't say it's a must-have like the soundtracks or even the um, shaking and stirred. stirred like david arnold that's kind of like a must-have i think an addition but let me cut the chase i think i'd give it a six i think it's a strong entry not necessarily a must-have but a you probably would enjoy it type of a deal so i'm gonna go with a six now i won't be upset with you if you go with a seven alan because i know it's got memories in it for you so what do you got <laughs> yeah i mean personally i yes i mean it's a seven for me but in bond fans audio library general across the board i think i'd agree i think it's a six it's not up there with the David Arnold one. It doesn't play a part in the history of the 00 franchise or 007 franchise or in the history of the Bond music generally. But I think it's, it's a great addition. I think it's an interesting look at one of the very earliest spin-off albums of people actually doing a budget Bond theme because it does not come across like a budget album like some of the later ones. And also I think that, you know, the, the legal things around it Plus, obviously, Jeff loves involvement with Shirley Bassey and stuff that I didn't know about. I think just adds a little bit of interest to it as well. So, yeah, I think I'd put it as a six. Yeah, you know what? You just mentioned something that I want to latch on to. You, you know, you said it's not an official part of James Bond history. And that almost makes me sad because given his relationship with music with Paul McCartney and George Martin and Shirley Bassey, I'm just really sad that he never got a crack at a Bond score or soundtrack. I think he might have arranged some really cool stuff. Because he obviously had an ear and a love for it. It would have been cool to see if he could have got an actual soundtrack at some point. Yeah, I've, or if not necessarily as a composer, maybe as an arranger. Of, yeah. You know, it might have been interesting to see how he and John Barry worked together or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah, I think he could have brought a lot of, clearly, energy and pep and freshness to the sound. I think it would have been cool. But, you know, yeah. things that could have been. Yeah. That will bring us to the end of this episode of Bond Music 6 of the Best. If you have a question or a comment, you can email us at ohmspod at outlook.com or comment on our Twitter, which is at ohmspod. And don't forget to subscribe to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you can leave a rating or review, that would be great, too. If you'd like to chat with us personally on social media, I can be found at Yard Sale Artist. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist, or you can check out my website, theyardsaleartist.com. Alan? All right, so I'm just going to take the opportunity to, once again, like a certain book, thanks for everybody who has bought and continues to buy the James Bond lexicon. I really appreciate those royalty checks. No, I mean... Um, <laughs> no, oh, you I got really paid for that? <laughs> <laughs> really, really appreciate everybody who's bought a copy, posted about it online, talked about it. It's been great. And if you have not yet picked up a copy, you can find the James Bond lexicon on Amazon, or you can check out our companion website, 
jamesbondlexicon.online, where we've got links to all the online bookstores that we know about that it's on sale, as well as links to all these uh, weird and wacky podcasts we do, various guest appearances on other podcasts, updates to the lexicon as we find out new stuff. Actually, just before we went on there, I was talking to Jared about something I found out today, which has actually already been added to the Marvel's Comics page on the Bond Lexicon website. So if you want to go and figure out what that was, you can hop on over and check out the Marvel Comics page. And you can follow us on Twitter at Bond Lexicon and on Tumblr and Instagram at James Bond Lexicon. So always appreciate uh, the follows and comments. And I actually just want to say also, always appreciate the feedback and the comments that we get about the, the shows and the music, the six of the best music shows. There's you know a few people who always comment after each show, and we really appreciate that. Yeah, most people didn't like Bomb Beaten Days. <laughs> <laughs> and you're surprised? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I knew, I knew it was just for me. And even I rated it like a five. <laughs> and if you want a hint as to what Alan was talking about as far as the new Bond comic book entry, James Bond and Ewoks in the same comic. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. All right, now let's pass the baton to our White Rocket founder and OHMS pod co-host Van Allen Plexico to thank our generous patrons who support all of our White Rocket endeavors. So just go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net, or you can just go to patreon.com and search for White Rocket and join up. And it's for as little as a dollar a month, you get to be part of the show. And we send out, we, I post things occasionally on the Patreon page of interest. And you get previews, you get special deals, special offers, and discounts on things that we do. And you sometimes get shows before the, uh, the regular audience does. Here are the fine folks who are currently keeping our programs on the air that we owe everything to. Samuel Salvatore and Bart Lindsay. Uh, Bradley Blackman, Brian Gray, Chris Usher, Gary Grant, Logan Chilton, Phil Amthor, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Tom Anderson, Willie Carden, and Kanjian. A.U. Falling Up, Ben Bloodsworth, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, David Evers, David Hegler, Emmanuel Seaman, George Gaston, Jacob and Robin Fleming, James Greenwell, Joel Beckham, John Otsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Mickey B, Phil Davis, Preston Settle, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Steve Harlan, Timothy, W.D.E. Ritchie, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Alex Nguyen, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, Cato the Barner, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Colby Butler, Danny Flack, Plus, Darius Benton, David Simpson, Di Bama, Earl Ricks, Eric Mahan, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Kevin Kenoy, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Mike Finley, Papa Todd, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Ross, Russell Milling, Shannon Butson, Sarah Hines, Shane Bailey, Snowdog, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Todd Gray, Tony Perry, Auburn Elvis, Ben Amos, Brandon Sisson, Brandon Smith, Chris Camo, Darren Pyle, David Smiley, Don, Donnie Reynolds, Plus, Ivor Evans, James Taylor, Jason Albrick, John Stubbs, John Zavachin, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, Justin Bean, Lawrence Kane, Mark Squire, Matthew Flowers, Mick Vigicana, Nicholas Craig, Patrick Williams, Paul Bankson, Robert Drain, Robert O. Sammons, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, that's the truth, Ruth, Spanky, Stephen Thompson, Trevor Johnson, Kenneth Brent Rains, Brent Rumble, and Chris Plus, our one-time and anonymous donors, we thank you all so much. Go to www.plexico.net or just go to www.patreon.com and sign up and join the family. So, thanks for joining us for this episode. 
This episode's tracks were from the 1975 vinyl, mainly side A, A Big Bond Themes by Jeff Love and his orchestra, which I mentioned earlier um, can actually also be found in its entirety on YouTube. Having said that, as always, we'd like to remind you to legally purchase your Bond music via official downloads or via CD, but clearly not in this case, maybe on cassette or vinyl. And please support the Bond creative community. We'll be back with six of the best, and we will return with Jared's next spin-off selection, which I believe will be the Tomorrow Never Dies video game soundtrack, so he's got me listening to electronic video game music again. So we'll see how that one goes. It never is. <laughs> and as I mentioned earlier, we will uh, probably uh, be playing out with Jeff Love's Rodrigo's Guitar Concerto, the shortest-lived number one in UK history. Four hours at number one. Number one.